Hello friends, uh, game enthusiasts, 3D art enthusiasts, 2D art enthusiasts, tabletop enthusiasts, anyone who's interested in games. Welcome to Live Booleans, episode 7. Costa, can you believe it? Episode 7. It's been a long, long uh, journey. It's been a long journey. <laughs> it's that 14 weeks. Yeah. Uh, it's our lockdown podcast. Everyone's got to start one. Um, with us this week, the tabletop episode, we got Tom Meekin and uh, Darcy... Well, I was about to say, call you by another name. Darcy Nicholas. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> I have an old friend called Darcy, and I was like, don't call him by that name. That's be <laughs> Darcy Nicholas. Welcome. How you guys doing? Not too yeah, bad. You getting yourself? Cool. Yeah, not bad at all. Thank you. Yeah, cool. So let's get started with tabletop games, because this is, we just said, Costa and I are completely oblivious to this. I have no idea about anything yeah. tabletop <laughs> at all. Imagine so. you're talking to someone who knows Monopoly, Yeah, and that's about <laughs> that's it. That's about it, yeah. 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 Where yeah. have they gone now? <laughs> uh, they are taking off like there is no tomorrow. Um, board game revenue is going through the roof, especially with stuff like Tabletop Simulator at the moment, especially with you know people trying to stay isolated and you know, distancing. Uh, I think that's a really, really good way of getting a lot more of a player feedback at the moment, something that you can just download, test out, give feedback. But nothing beats actually having the miniatures and sitting down with your mates, getting that instant reaction of, I just screwed up your plans mm -hmm. seeing you know jaw hit the floor or just pure rage come from you yeah, yeah. i mean you guys remember like like split screen gaming and stuff yeah when i first saw your game the first when you had the actually by the way the title of the game tarragon tarragon um the when i first saw it and it had the tiles and you're saying you flip them over the first thing that came to mind was age of vampires yeah <laughs> it's exactly fog of war element yeah. added to it so if mm. you haven't explored it, you don't know what's there. Cool. Mm. So, so the, the we have a third creator who's not with us today. So just a shout out to Ashley Thwaites, who should be here. Nice. No, he he <laughs> he's just the his the, main player, uh, like play, play tester. tester. Yeah, play tester. Tester. yeah, cool, cool. Which role do you guys each have in the uh, um, in the game? Darcy's more on design elements. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of you know what do these tiles and components actually look like with their colour and how does that fit thematically with the rest of the units. Um, I'm doing a lot of the 3D design and printing. Um, so last year we had our first showcasing um, at Avcon and that went really well. It was the first time that Avcon decided to really dive into the tabletop side of things and they opened up the ITGA, Indie Tabletop Game Area. Yeah, it was and really good. It was, it was really, really the good. biggest turnout they've had for tabletop specifically, I think, out of Avcon's history. Um, that was larger than the indie games room. Mm. It was huge. Which I had to be in there. There yeah. was like people playing all sorts of stuff. So yeah. you had like everyone in there playing Magic and D&D sessions mm. going off. Yeah. But then like all the people testing games and stuff. Yeah. It was, it was really fun. Really good for networking on a bit of a you know introductory level as well, which is great. Um, some very, very valuable networking done we, through that. We had a uh, guy sit next to us from Brisbane, I think, for that, which was you know lovely. We didn't realise that there were going to be people from Brisbane flying their games down to come yeah, to Avcon. Yeah. Yeah. That was heaps cool. Are there other events in Adelaide like that, specifically for tabletop, or is it more local communities? Yeah, there, there was one we, we missed one, sadly, out at um, oh. the Burnside Library. What was that called? I'm trying to think. Um, Gen Con? No. Yeah, it's yes. like that. Yeah, it's one of the cons. There are a few, but we, you know, we're still new to this industry as well, so we're figuring it out. They yeah. uh, they need to get a bit of a bigger venue. It seems that every year when they do it, 
at least three months before the actual event and the tickets are gone. Mm. Well. So, you know, <laughs> hopefully that's enough to get a bit of a drive so there can be a bigger space and more people, but who knows when that's going to be, yeah. especially with today's current state. Yeah, and that's the thing, because tabletop is such a physical element that you wouldn't even consider putting it up on Twitch and being like, how would you even mm. do that? There, you know? there, there are, are a lot. few. It's it's actually mm. kicking off more now yeah, than right. it was over the last few years because of the pandemic, obviously. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So. yeah. With um, PAX not happening, Penny Arcade Expo, uh, they've been doing a lot of Dungeons and Dragon uh, table recordings and having mm. you know five six people around. They do seem to have everything quite controlled with distancing and cleanliness, but. You know, you've got some very enthusiastic uh, people creating these games, and obviously the players just get into it as much. And yeah, it's it's a really good way of them continuing packs without being able to continue packs this year. Mm. Um, but yeah, they seem to be going up live every week, which is great. There's also free tickets and merch and stuff that people can win by watching. And yeah, so they're taking it in a very nice direction for what they can do at the moment yeah. mm, this was meant to be our uh, our year of showing what was yeah. nearly the finished game at conventions so yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 there's um so basically because with your you both come from as well from you have digital games mm -hmm. background yes. so how what is the difference with those because like you know the if you're taking these games to an event and someone is like a bug or something like that in a game maybe you've got time to quickly go back to the hotel or wherever and patch it out. You know, we've all done something like that. Yeah, but yeah. with the physical game, you're kind of locked in. Um, that's just one aspect. But how does the design change when well, you're that, making this? That happened at PAX at the end of last year, I'm fairly sure. We were we spent the first, was it half hour? We were there just like putting all the bases together because yeah. we've got like a modular health system for the bases of our units. Yeah, And uh, that was not finished by the time we were <laughs> getting off the plane and going to the convention. Yeah, so that was pretty interesting. A couple of hundred pieces that we needed to yeah. glue together. <laughs> was that like, like, sure. like compiling your game before you, <laughs> you know, at the event? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be ready. Yeah. As far yeah. goes, like, the, the playtesting and feedback, that's very much, like, we have to take note and then go mm. back to the document later. And I mean, that's the, what we're there for. The mm. pieces themselves don't change that much, but how they might interact with each other might mm. change just mm. for flow or ease or really, you know, this is a product that we're making for ourselves, but it is for everyone. So we want this to be what you guys want it to be. Mm. And you know, going for some of the stylizations of, you know, heavy inspiration from retro games, should I say, you know, stuff like Age of Empires and... Mm. Well, the, it's funny, the, yeah. The, yeah. a lot of the background, yeah, for me and the other guy who works on it with us is Starcraft. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it's these big RTS. Is that down to the gameplay, to the art style as well? Yeah. Everything like so that? So, you're, you know, the standardized, you explore, you get your territory, get your resources, yeah. build your army, go out, yeah. conquer. Yep, yep, yep. And the, the fog of war is the, the main mechanic in the game we're pushing, really. So, the way that our game works is that you have hex tiles and you set up the board with the hexes face down. And then, as you explore the map, you flip them and then place them. Mm. So it's sort of each each game you're exploring the area that you, you know, are playing the game in, and we tried to get that, that feeling. Yeah, it's supposed to be representation of each game you play is 
another planet that you're conquering, essentially. Mm -hmm. And just having it with modular pieces means there's near infinite replayability mm. and you know, good luck playing the same game twice. Yeah. 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 Is there, so there's a, a law written or do people make their own law like Dungeons and Dragons? There is a, we're, we're currently working on a campaign, so there will be a story. Nice. So. Which is, it's, it's sort of similar to, um, uh, what is it, Battlefront 2? The, what's uh, the that Galactic Campaign. Yeah, the yeah. Galactic Campaign from Battlefront 2 is sort of what we're going to oh, model, right. model the campaign on. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If you, if you get it? Do you yeah. play it? Like the, 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 the old one. one. Yeah. The new Star Wars Battlefront? Oh, the, the old one. No, no, oh, like, okay, okay. Lost me. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, I think I remember playing play the yeah, originals. Yeah. 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 You'll go, oh, like, play the planet and yeah. you'll sort of <laughs> fight your way through the galaxy. It should be fun. We'll figure it out. Uh, that was my, my dark period. That was when I wasn't in... I had a brief break from games. Because I was like, another console! <laughs> yeah. nah. Or on the Xbox original. <laughs> no, nah, this is like the 360 era. <laughs> I missed that yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this won't catch on. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, so how, where did the where did the switch to board games come from? Because Tom, I know you've from Tate with known five years now, and yeah. even before then, you were an animator before I even knew. Yeah, um, it was. I originally started the game art course through TAFE back in twenty twelve, and then went to Vancouver to do a diploma of two D three D animation. But through that, the entire time, I've just absolutely loved my three D concepting, modeling, everything. And being able to take that and then turn it into a physical model that I can play with is just, I don't know, I get so much joy out of that. Yeah. And at the moment, like, been doing it for a bunch of friends for their D&D games or um, Ants, someone that you had on an um, earlier episode. Mm -hmm. um, but he's been doing his concepts and sending me his sculpts and I've been 3D printing them out for him, which he's using for, uh, I think the just little markers for a card game that he's producing but oh. so again it's just someone doing a digital game but once these 3d mm. components for there's the, a lot of overlap the there's more yeah. overlap than you think I reckon. Yeah. yeah like a lot of our process works for both um works for both uh the digital version of the game that we're making and the board yeah yeah so, so we're doing both at the same time yeah of. with covid we've just kind of jumped into taking all the assets that we already had and putting them into UE4, mm -hmm. um, yeah. just so that we can hopefully get that out a bit faster um, when it comes to doing something like a Kickstarter campaign that can be the reward for a lower pledge level or something. Um, uh, you know, it's more about, I want to get people to play this game, mm, I want yeah. it to be accessible, and you know, a lot of the time, if there is a successful Kickstarter, you're still looking at about oh, a year to two, three years for all those components to come through just because they have to get in contact with manufacturers and distributors and it's, it's a lot more work than I would like it to be for mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that comes with the territory. Um, so how's it, what, um, so because Kickstarters, they're like synonymous with tabletop. Mm, is yeah. that for a reason, other, like is there no other funding opportunities for it? Does it fall through the cracks of what a game counts as? With game funding and stuff like that? Publishing... In like the West, to, yeah, I'd say. Yeah, going to actual publishers is a little bit harder with the tabletop side of things. Right. Unless you have, you know, it ready to go, essentially. Are there a lot of publishers in Australia? Uh, there are a few, um, but a lot more people are tending to do the Kickstarter. Kickstarter yeah. So when we're in PAX, we talk to a, a group of people that were from... Platypus Games, 
think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they just finished their Kickstarter campaign for a game called Rat Catcher. They got about five times more than they were asking for. Wow. Um, they did incredibly well. I'm incredibly happy and stoked for them. Mm. Um, it's crazy though. The the I think board games have the like highest earning Kickstarters generally. Yeah, like, yeah. I uh, I follow them quite often and. You, you know it's a good game if it's coming from Poland. Yeah, um, yeah that's the, the other thing is, is the um, the industry in Eastern Europe is huge, mm. like huge. Half the games you would have played have come from, you know, been published out of Poland. So it's always interesting. Yeah, right. What, what do you see as like you've been following the successful Kickstarters? What is it that makes them successful versus the ones that aren't? Um, These days, assets. I reckon. Like yeah, miniatures. Ev everyone is about the miniatures. The, so I mean, the what, how many are in um the it's like two hundred something for Horizon. Yeah, Horizon. They're turning Horizon into a board game, oh. and it comes with just like an insane amount of miniatures. Wow. Yeah. Steamforge <laughs> Games did a really good um, business plan of they actually got in contact with developers of video games, and then would negotiate with them to use those assets to turn into miniatures so that they could make a tabletop version. So they've done Resident Evil 2, they've done Dark Souls, they've just oh, yeah. released Horizon Zero Dawn, but the level of quality for these miniatures are just next level. It's it's really insane. And yeah, they have taken a bit too long to get stuff out, <laughs> but can anyone really be blamed at the moment? Yeah. Uh, especially yeah. importing, exporting. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So when a company develops a board game, like um, like you guys are doing, how sustainable is it to then develop your next one? And your next, like, what's, what's usually the... The first one's always going to be the hardest. Right. As soon as you've got that bit of traction, people see that you've done a product that they enjoy, they're going to tell their friends. Mm. And a lot of them tend to have a good business plan of they will finish one Kickstarter they'll get it to about 90, 80% complete, ready for distribution, and they'll be rolling out the next Kickstarter campaign on different IP or expansions or what have you. And yeah. Um, I think it's like a, a trust thing as well. So there's like, there'd be publishers um, for board games that, you know, I might not know anything about the game, but given the games that I've played before, I'd, you know, go out and buy the their games just because I know that they make good games. Yeah. Um, so it's the brand. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. They trust that you guys know yeah. how to make so yeah. good games. Citadel? Citadel? Do they publish um, like Avalon and stuff? I can't remember. Oh, uh, yeah. Like all Coup and Avalon yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, that's a bit of a different world. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Having the tabletop games of you know, cards and stuff like that versus your tabletop games with the boards and the miniatures it's yeah pretty different pipelines but mm. still super interconnected uh, interconnected and yeah we did a a little card game for competition <laughs> oh, i've done two two in the last year we did uh what was odds and what's the other one when we make a game out of odds do we end up uh yeah they don't go that well oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you know flipping a game in two weeks or something i think well, it was yeah, yeah we turned like, it Oh, we've got this competition coming up. Let's get it out. It was yeah. an 18-card competition. I was like, there's really good restrictions on sort of the competitions for card games that go around. Yeah. And they're a heap of fun to develop for because, like, 
you know, one of them was... Um, Use a standard deck of cards, make something that only requires those components, but make it something completely unique. Mm. Yeah. And another one which was, uh, I think you could only have like 18, 18 cards in the game yeah. or something. And what you can try and make out of 18 cards, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. It didn't work, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> so there's like an insane amount of problem solving that you could do in such a mm. short amount of time. Oh yeah. Mm. You have to really get the mechanics to fit thematically with yeah. whatever you're going with. The, the better it can relate to the overall project, the smoother it runs, yeah. the more people tend to enjoy it. But How have you found, I know you mentioned that you're trying to take what you're working on physically and put it into like UE4 and yeah. is it does it change much or is it sort of just a digital representation of the game? For us, yeah, it changes. It's changed a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. We changed the entire combat system for the for the digital game. Yeah. Does it like I mean obviously when when you've got digital you can you can visualize all these things mm. that, that you know usually someone's imagination. Yeah. So you've got mm. so much more guess, there's a weird thing that. between um sort of like randomness in board games and then randomness in in like video games mm. there's instead of a dice roll you've got yeah, RNG yeah but like yeah. and there's different levels that players will accept and stuff so so that was a big thing to work out yeah, yeah. it's like the classic XCOM thing the you know I've got a 95% chance to hit and how angry that makes people when they miss yeah, yeah. so you have to consider stuff like that going from board games to digital games a lot which is fun but yeah so you have to change the chances of probability to some extent we just we yeah. just yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 80-90% of the mechanics in there at the moment, but it's still looking at a bit of time before we start sending it out to people to test. Yeah. But yeah. We, I mean, when was Avcon? <laughs> when, when was that meant to be? Uh, it was supposed to be June or July this year, mm. but now it's January or February next year. Mm. So we would have just finished a convention, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. We'd be getting ready for packs again, Yeah, but... No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There'd also be a there's like a, a more organic rule set with tabletop because in a digital game, even if it's a party game like Mario Party or something, yeah, you can't dispute the rules because oh. it's pre-written. Yeah, yeah, but it's a huge thing. Yeah, once yeah. you release Terragon, yeah, and then I'm playing at home and Costa and I are playing it, oh, and we we're like, that. yeah, 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 yeah. You personal it. rules and like your own game modes and stuff, house yeah. rules. I mean, we have house rules for all the games we play. Yeah, so. <laughs> some games we've been playing and just didn't feel quite how they should, so made our own edits to games yeah. to kind of test out other IP we've got in mind, but you know, just have a bit of fun at the same time. Yeah, yeah. That's how Terragon came about, really, was uh, we were playing a, a war game that I'm not going to mention, <laughs> and we didn't think it worked as well as it could, so we tore the game apart and rebuilt it. Made it modular. And then it became Terragon, so, you know, House Rules is... It's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so does Terragon, is it, does it facilitate your own rules? Like Yeah, there will be, it's a, so we haven't really explained too much about what it is. It's a, when we're talking about um, StarCraft and stuff, it's very similar to that. So there's three playable races on launch. There will be three playable races. Um, and it's a resource gathering game. And you explore and build units and stuff like that. Mm. So... The way we've been playing and the way we want to launch is it will launch with a bunch of different game modes because those game modes will determine how long the games go for. Yeah, and stuff like King of the Hill, Team Deathmatch, mm. Objective Base. You know, it might be just a you know five turn type game, but it's about 
you know, taking as much control over different tiles as you can. Mm -hmm. The person with the most at the end wins that. Mm. Um, or if you've controlled the, yeah, send a tile for X turns, then you win. Yeah. Um, so we've got a nice combination of uh, cards which will interact with your turn. So it might make your pieces move further or have an extra attack or extra defense. Um, we've got them separated into kind of offensive, defensive, and just uh, tactical type cards. So having that nice blend um, really, really helps the flow of the game. At first, we don't have it, and games were blowing out to about an hour and a half each. Mm, it sped it up hugely. It's it, really good. <laughs> it made us finish a game in five minutes. Well, so we had to turn back. <laughs> <laughs> so again, yeah, a lot of the, the playtesting will just be Darcy, myself, and Ashley sitting there yelling at each other until we come to an arrangement of, okay, this works best thematically as well as, you know, it's not too powerful too early on. It might be, you know, you have to get a bit more land control before more of the uh, harsher cards come out. Active. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so. What is that testing process like? It's, it's you, you guys do play it again and again and again it, and again yeah. and again. We, we would have played like this game hundreds, hundreds maybe thousands <laughs> of times in the last four or five years or so. Do you get other people in as well? Like, yeah. I mean, obviously you go to conventions These days and stuff now, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. more, the more, the amount of feedback we've gotten in the last, well, not this year because we haven't done a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, at the end of last year, the amount of feedback we got from new players to the game was incredible mm. and has changed the game. Not completely, but the most it's been changed yeah. since. Conception, really? Uh, yeah. I remember when you, Tom, showed me like the first 3D print yeah. of one of the characters and you were... The 3D printer you were using was like real rudimentary. Like you could see the, the filament, but you're yeah. like, this yeah. is the idea. And it was like the pieces wouldn't fit together and stuff like that. And then flash forward, not even a few months later, when you were at Avcon and stuff like that, and like it's much more smoother and yeah. polished. How did that all start, like the, the 3D process? So... I actually got an introduction to 3D printing through the City Library. Um, they have times on their website where you can call up and they'll just have either one-on-one -on -one or maybe, a, yeah, probably only one-on-one -on -one still, um, sessions where you can come in and use various printers to see how you like it, see how the machines work. It's really good if you want to test out, uh, you know, if there's a specific machine you're looking at buying. I would definitely recommend going to a place like that and testing it out before actually making that commitment. But so I learned some really good fundamentals through the city library. And then shortly after that, I needed to do some bulk printing. And so I found a makerspace. Um, this one was up near Tea Tree Plaza, Makerspace Adelaide. And they were exceptional. The, <laughs> the knowledge that this guy had was just mind blowing. And yeah, so it, it went from city library free facility to a paid membership to getting still in contact. Very cheap. Yeah, still very, very affordable. And then getting in contact with an old lecturer, Alex Colvin, mm. and he had a resin printer and did a, you know, just one of each miniature, at which stage I just went, here's my money, I'm getting rid of it. And from then, I think Avcon, I busted out, I was like, 80 miniatures for that first time showcasing mm. and then for packs it was the full set like 180 no, miniatures on top of that it was a lot <laughs> there, there were five full teams yeah, yeah. 
Wow. Um, so nearly two full sets. <laughs> each uh, unit is three components that stick together. It's showing uh, you know, the, the class that it is, whether it's uh, low, medium, or high, as well as having a health dial, as well as having the miniature on top of it. So just a nice little twist top type thing that you can change as you're taking wounds or if you're giving them extra health, you can just dial that up. That's cool. Just trying to remove more components yeah. by adding slightly more. People <laughs> who know. play tabletop will know when you're playing like wound-based characters, the amount of dice you wind up demonstrating mm. stuff on the table, it gets, uh, it gets hard, to, get hard yeah. to keep track of. Yeah, so how, we, do you, how do you keep track of all that, like of wounds and stuff on... In, in tabletop games, usually. they're normally like dice. So like people just have dice sitting next to each unit as oh, they wow. get wounds, wow. and they, it can be complicated. Yeah, so that seems we very to, convoluted. <laughs> yeah. We had to solve that. Before we had the twist top uh, solution, we were essentially if the character's on his side, is taken a wound. If he's on his yeah, back, he's yeah, taken yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So is, is the twist is that unique to your game? Um, there have been <laughs> similar things, but uh, I think the way that we have designed it is a bit unique just because it is not just showing on a single window but it's on uh, every 120 degrees there is a window showing so you can have you, yourself sitting across from the table and mm. still see what mm. hit points I've got left as well mm. as myself and mm. yourself. Mm -hmm. We had a, a big design philosophy which is like I suppose it comes from um, digital game background which is you want people to be able to look at the screen or the game and get as much information as possible about it. Yeah. And taking that to the board game was very important for us. Because so. yeah. it's the physical UI, like the HUD. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there like a, a way you could, um, like, I don't know, pattern that thing, but make it so you, it's just the base and then it can apply to other games where you see I, the character I really that. wanted to do something similar to that, but I don't know if I could paint it's, it. It's, mm. it's fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. Board games and paints are a bit weird. But it's funny, the Terragram was maybe going to be a game system rather than a game. Right, yeah. okay. Like, for D&D &D and stuff. So, yeah, that's... I mean, you can use the models as whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you explain a bit about that? What that means, a game system for D&D? &D? So, the, like, the hex-based tile system, which is the core of the game, whereby you explore the map as you flip it over, hmm. um, that's, that's sort of what we meant. Like, it, the... It's got a unique pathing. Yeah, it's got a pathing mechanic, which essentially generates the way that you can go through the map as you reveal it. Mm -hmm. I wish we could show you, but... Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, again, with the health dials and stuff, I, I did have in mind that you'd be able to take the model off the top, and if you had a D&D &D character that you were 3D printing yourself, you could just put in this little cylinder and sit it on top. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But, yeah... It's it was very important to make it fit thematically as well. So Tarragon is largely based on hexes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So hexes all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually informed a lot of the choices in mechanic development as well. So using power two, power three, just you know, consistently having it roam around that six just kind of informed every other design choice that we made. So yeah. Is that something that's typically done, or is it just, I mean, something that you guys focused on and found uh, that it just worked? Yeah, I think when the developing the number system for board games, and games in general, but board games specifically, the you find things that work, and then they just keep working. Mm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It feels yeah. like it gets to a stage where it starts developing itself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you've heard, yeah, there's, so there's games that design themselves sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. It's, Happens a lot with tabletop games. It's, it's pretty fun. Yeah. The math checks out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> How long did it take to um, get from concept to actually having something physically that you can hold? Um, so we played originally with the this other board game. Mm-hmm. We cannibalized another board game mm-hmm. and, and took, some origami. <laughs> when did when did the, we had our own board pretty early? I reckon. Yeah, because that Which sort of formed the game. Was literally made from like. It was cereal boxes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pizza boxes, water casks, <laughs> stuff like that. Just everything recycled. That's your Amazon.com yeah, yeah, banner yeah, on the yeah, side yeah. of the wall. Oh, uh, we've still got it. Oh, it's uh, good, you have to have that, yeah. Um, yeah. It's... Probably probably like a, over a year, I reckon. Mm. Well, wow. considering you were doing uh, your bachelor right. while we were doing our TAFE degrees then moving on to Flint oh, yeah, it was, like, it was <laughs> something that was just kind of always on the back burner mm. while we were going through education and mm. then as soon as I finished uni it was okay I'm jumping on yeah we sort of didn't realise that you know people made games and sold board games and stuff it was just <laughs> yeah. something we were doing while we were at uni because where where's because <laughs> uh, your background Darcy because when I met you at CDW... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I used to be a 2D artist. You were, 2D, you were an amazing 2D artist, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. classes I had with you. And um, and then recently be getting to the, the 3D, mm. almost like kit, ba- kit bashing, I was going to say photo bashing. Yeah. yeah. The kit ba- so how did your path go into um, board games? So I started doing 2D art years ago, nine years ago, I reckon. Mm. And then halfway through CDW, I started using ZBrush and, you know, I fell in love with the sculpting program. And since then, it's... You've jumped into Blender and really taken Yeah, yeah, time. yeah. I just, I, like, I do a little bit of work in 2D, so I'm, I do some portraits and stuff like that. More traditional stuff. Um, but, you know, <laughs> there's more work in, in 3D art than there is in 2D art, so yeah. that was a, like that... a career choice sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, and that's the same thing with Ants last time, yeah. where the traditional 2D mm. artists, mm. they take real quickly to ZBrush. Yeah. It's funny because I'd done, um, so I've been to AC Arts and done um, a bunch of different traditional arts before. And yeah, so I've done actual sculpting before mm. and going into ZBrush was like, oh, this is weird. It's yeah. like actual sculpting. Yeah. yeah. So. Because mm. <laughs> when I did it, when we went to CDW, that yeah. was the first time I touched ZBrush mm. and what a weird program. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did. I had to drop the class. It was um like a week into it. I dropped it, then ended up doing the five subjects to make up for it. Yeah. Um, I could not get my head around it. Mm. It, it, it. I I loved Maya, and that's what I could do. Yeah. And um, it's a very very different learning curve. For sure. Yeah. I imagine for you as well, because you were at TAFE, Tom. Yeah. Your three D modeling was like. Well, I mean, still is, but like, in a night, you made like a he made like this cathedral, yeah. like all the pieces and everything. He's like, oh, I slept an hour. I don't even think you slept, but oh man, I still don't sleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but was that do you do you because now that you're in the three D printing, you'd be no, actually, you don't deal with the ZBrush. You sculpt in Maya still. Yeah, I know he's a freak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a bit of a problem with that. Uh, it it just works for my pipeline. I mean, if I do need to jump into ZBrush, I'll you know, make a really rough high poly, but with the topology that suits it so that after I've edited this sculpt, 
I don't need to really worry about retopologizing or doing any of that. Just kind of immediately have the shape that I need. Mm. Um, yeah, smooth preview sculpting in air quotations yeah. is my jam. And people look at me like I'm a weirdo. And I don't <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. And it has been something where I've been doing some day builds of, okay, I want something for this tabletop game we're playing. I want some brick walls or, you know, modular doorways or whatever. And, you know, spend four or five hours modeling some stuff and then set God, on That's print. the crazy thing about 3D printing. Yeah. Is you go from concept to, yeah. you know, a prototype product in like, less than a day sometimes wow it's it's crazy yeah 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 so imagine you, you would have had to be like with clay you know trying to mold it and all that sort of mm, stuff just to get that's something that's just going to change everything yeah like, automotive yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like, exactly that's, that's hectic yeah. yeah and so who does the so you you Darcy will do the 2D the card printing and all that stuff um I, yeah so I, I do most of the, the design work for cards we produce and um, yeah, all the tile faces and stuff like yeah, that yeah 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 and like all the fun stuff, you know, like typesetting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I find it fun. <laughs> That's also, it's yeah. You often see you often see like um, when people start something where they didn't have their training necessarily mm. in it, yeah. mm. so they're there to mm. solve a problem. They solve it much faster than you know someone who's like from when they were like eight are like I'm gonna be a rock star, and then like they maybe go to a few jam nights or something like that yeah. and they don't actually because I don't know I think they overthink it or something like that but if you're just like well I have a solution yeah. they're thinking inside the square and then someone that was inside the box and someone who comes from another sort of industry or background just yeah. they get it in a different way because they, they see it differently that's yeah. it I, yeah. I love being given an interesting problem because it means I have to use an interesting solution yeah and the shorter the deadline the more I have to kind of dive into my <laughs> library of Okay, how can I get this done in negative time? <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of the time, it it works really well, especially with three D printing. If you, you know, if you know the constraints that you've got, you can use that to your advantage. Of it's not going to be big enough to see the pores on this character's face, so mm. that's not something that's needed. Mm. And mm -hmm. so, just finding that fine line between. How much detail does this require? How much time do I have to spend on it? And how much detail can your printer actually put out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So there's a there's a grey boxing process. I guess that's what you were saying before yeah. with the clay. There'd be that grey box because that's the same with games. Like if you oh, just yeah. stick with Maya and you model something, you're like always oh, detail, and then you chuck it into Engine. Mm. You're like I can't even see it. Mm. Why did I waste all that time <laughs> like, on yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Well, these days you just sort that stuff with maps don't you <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, the so. magic of lazy blender <laughs> <laughs> and um how because as you mentioned this year um you've had to you know work in isolation yeah how how much are you looking forward to you know working amongst other people again like well, how, it, it, it heaps it's very mm -hmm. important yeah it's but. super important for you know your own mental health as well being around other creators really inspires or well, it inspires me to be more creative mm. i see someone doing something awesome and i want to be like yeah get on that same mm. energy wavelength yeah. and just try and pump out something that someone else goes oh my god that is amazing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like i really really just love seeing the reaction of someone who's created something and then i've printed it out for them yeah and then, holding a physical version of something they've created in a digital space just, yeah, like, like, just oh being out for um, <laughs> being out for coffee today and seeing everyone's work was just like oh, 
need to go back at home, do do more work. <laughs> yeah. Make yeah. Things. <laughs> so you get inspired by working around other people? Oh, yeah, 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 hugely. Yeah. yeah, and that, I remember that from the, the TAFE days. Yeah. Because it was like, you know, nine to five or whatever, you know, in the same desk, in the same spot, and it felt like our office. And then when we went to uni, yeah. the mm. projects were so oh, intense. I miss that community, man. Yeah. The, the mm. like, immediate feedback of your yeah. peers and stuff, yeah. that's so, so mm. handy, like. Mm. Is there much of a community here for other creators to work together, even in, in like, tabletop games? Yeah, there's... Yeah, actually, there's a, there's a heap. I mean, I'm not sure if it's... I mean, it's probably slowed down a bit now, but there's, like... Um, what are the what are PGDA, the events Tabletop Game Design Australia, which is a Facebook um, group, and they are just mm. super if you, comforting. If you're interested in, in tabletop and you want to like make games and stuff, check out TGDA. It's they they're good, and they're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's like even a lot of commission stuff going on. People needing someone who can 3D model or can do some design elements, and so there is a lot of just interaction within those groups themselves but I think there's a fair bit more through other states than there is in Adelaide mm. but we're mm. definitely on the rise um, yeah it's yeah, I'd say our, like yeah. Melbourne Brisbane probably Brisbane yeah Brisbane seems to be the sort of where a lot of creative work gets done in Australia so yeah well, even uh, they've got a lot, lot of game dev companies there yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah huge do you know if they're getting if they get much external support as well I'm not sure. The, I mean, the I suppose they must because mm -hmm. <laughs> they um they come here for events. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, even um, the team I was talking about before, who made the Rat Catcher game, they did the same thing that a bunch of us have done, which is the Nice program, NEIS, mm -hmm. and which is you know something to get your business up and running. But having that mentorship to kind of help them get towards the goal they're trying to get is just mm. fantastic. Yeah, because that's, that's definitely a common line of the focus so much on the art that we don't learn the business side mm, yeah. at all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's why with Costa and Mutiny Games, he's, they're very lucky to have you, you know, where, who knows the business stuff and stuff like that. You can yeah. See it. yeah, yeah, yeah. The opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the art, but I know the business. No, that's good. And then with that co-working stuff, I understand you're trying to, you're starting a, your own studio sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we're still waiting to hear hear about what's going on with that, but yeah. We'll be called Lab or Acolabs, and we'll be a motion capture studio and collaboratory yeah, right. workspace, so that'll be interesting. And try, and, try and capture that, like, you know, university feel of mm -hmm. the the interaction between artists again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That going. How does the... Um, I, was, uh, I was telling Costa for a little bit about it, but tell us a bit more about the, the motion capture part. Oh, okay, so... The we're looking at like because motion capture can be very expensive as you understand, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we were looking at you know budget methods of motion capture. So one of my friends um, goes to Adelaide University and is part of the mechanical mechanical engineering or medical engineering kinematics or okay. something program, mm. and at their lab they use Kinex. So Xbox connects, mm. just all network together to get what is medical grade motion capture, essentially. Um, and I went and saw this system and was like, oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> connects aren't really worth that much money. How hard would it be to build one? So I built one. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's taken the majority of this year, but we're up to nine cameras. Yeah. So <laughs> and a bunch of computers and everything else. And yeah. Works. We're just waiting to deploy it because we need a lot of space for yeah. motion capture rig. Because that's something the, uh, the the general public really is kind of either slept on and will not be made aware of is how powerful those cameras are. Well, oh, yeah. it's funny. The I don't know. The technology has only really sort of come into its own in the last few years because it's been around for a you know decade, decade and a half. But so they've cancelled support for it recently, haven't they? Are you using the new Connect or the old Connect? So uh, second edition. Sec- so the they've new just released Xbox One, or the, so the, so they did a revision on that. It is they? the Xbox One. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but they just released a new one called the Azure. Oh um, yeah. Which shares the name with their AI yeah, network the, and the it has yeah, like, yeah. AI network shenanigans involved with it. Yeah. As um, and they just launched, so we can get some of them from Microsoft. Yeah. Microsoft, if you're listening. Yeah, <laughs> please. <laughs> so what was the motivation, I guess, behind Accolab? Like, was it... Oh, I, so I was just... I just finished the NICE program. Um, and while I was working on the NICE program, I needed something to do, really. And I had a lot of connects. And I've been trying to get them all working together for, um, like, what, a year and a half now or something? And I just sort of had a breakthrough there and we got it all working and we're like, oh, well, we need a workplace and we've got a motion capture studio. Yeah. <laughs> Put two and two together, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was it really. I like I just need a work workspace, so that's what's driven, yeah. <laughs> driven yeah. most of this. And is it are you gonna be open or is it sort of gonna be um invite only or how, how does that work? The the kind of overall plan is to make more cheap and effective pipelines so if someone's producing a game or an animation they mm. can come in mm. and use this studio mm. and mm. hopefully produce something a lot faster than yeah, having so to manually mm. animate everything mm-hmm. we'll be targeting like like you know students and people just out of university working on their first program uh projects and stuff like maybe need a mocap for short films mm. short animations 3d animations and stuff like yeah. Awesome. it's got dual purposes as well where we can use this same rig to do 3D scanning so mm. eventually when we have the space we will be able to have you stand on the stage roam around you with these cameras and then Print by the you. end of the day have you 3D and that's something we want to take places to like conventions and stuff we reckon that'd be really really fun you know get yourself turned into a miniature yeah. have a, like a booth at Avcon or something where yeah. have some props and just Go stand there for five minutes, and then you know the next day come back, pick up your miniature. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's that mentality you were talking about before about you know what kind of working with what you have already. Mm -hmm. So you already had the connects. You've got the three D printer. Yeah. From the tabletop game. Now you want you got the studio, (laughs) and now you can go to Avcon and get that all printed. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the thing is like that's the thinking outside the square that's made that happen so quick. Rather Mm -hmm. than if you wanted to do that from the start you'd yeah. be overthinking how yeah, do I yeah, get yeah, there yeah. we just sort of stumbled into this yeah <laughs> that's the best way to do it it's stumbling past and, oh. yeah. <laughs> cool. the first Xbox Connect camera that we had was my little sister's that she never used yeah yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. I, I, never, I never paid you for that <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I paid her for it okay. <laughs> yeah I, oh man I, now I wish I had one because I I remember I think when I got my Xbox One, there was some deal where they were giving the Kinects away mm. for free. So th- yeah. there's like 36, oh, maybe more than that. There, there are like tens and tens of millions of these things made. Yeah. Nobody really knew what to do with them, so they're just sort of they're everywhere. They're just out there. <laughs> it was kind of dumb because when, when they released the Xbox One originally, it was just 
the connect was almost just like a voice thing. It was pointless. Yeah, like, it wasn't yeah. really that. It was like, okay, you could use your hand to yeah, move yeah. around the UI, but who really did that? They had yeah, a controller yeah, yeah, in their yeah, hands. Yeah. So. Yeah. It always weirded me out. I would go and sit on my couch, uh, my, my parents' couch, and the Xbox would just say, hello, Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never had an account with the thing. I don't understand yeah. how that works. Yeah. Oh, well. look at, and yeah, so you could look at your face and recognize yeah, you. There's, there's, there's always there's on. There's pieces of hardware. Yeah, so yeah. next time you go into the um, Maya Center, have a look at the the little information things they've got, mm. the things, and look up the top of those, and have a look at what's there. Because it's connect. connect. Yep. Really? Yeah. Wow. They scan your face. Yeah. Well, uh, I assume it's like they're probably keeping track of like metrics of how many people come past. Hopefully, it's anonymized yeah. or something. You know. <laughs> you'd, yeah, yeah, you'd hope yeah, so. Yeah. I remember <laughs> the the thing to me that made, I was like, I'm not getting the connect was when um, I had Alien Isolation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they had the thing where they're like. Oh, if it hears any background noises, the alien will hear you. Oh, well, that's so spooky. Being in an Italian household, <laughs> be like, it's like, Alex, hey, come have a coffee. Hey. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great, now the aliens heard me. <laughs> like, why would you want that in your house? And you love he said that going like this. Yeah, yeah with, the, with the hand gestures. <laughs> yeah, no, those are for quiet houses. Or if you have a dog, mm. like butters. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's funny, we just found out. Recently, we were looking at them, and they they can like read heartbeats and stuff. Yeah, it's mm. like it's temperature it, as well. I don't know, it could do this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, are you like, is there a limit to how many connects you can connect? Like, what's your, what's the limit? Is it how many you could connect? Or the, how many? Yeah. So there's a at the moment with the current V twos, which are the Xbox One cameras, um, you essentially need a. A computer per camera mm. and then if you're using windows there is an, an sdk and driver limit for one per computer really mm. so yeah. the way you get around that is you stack computers or can you vm them like virtual machines? no it doesn't work with virtual machines oh really if anybody knows if you can get it working with virtual machines let the, me know <laughs> there, there is a piece of software i'd found uh maybe last year and it was something that would connect to all these connects mm, and yeah. it would just try to network them so in some the, way. the the interesting thing is that um it's also a, a bandwidth limit. Uh, so okay. the, the I've just got a PCIe 4.0 computer, mm. so I can try and test the, the limits on this, but they use an insane amount of bandwidth because yeah. they're, like, they're doing a lot of stuff under the hood mm. and then transferring that directly into just through raw, USB to computer. Raw data, point cloud data. So much raw data. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, so... The, the new one that we want to get eventually the Azure's um, have a native thing where they can sync up with each other. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That'd be good. You just daisy chain them essentially, plug one into the next into the next. And they'll yeah. clock yeah. and then that syncs them. Yeah, right. The connects, like, they found out that if you get a, it's called like sync drift or something, shaking the cameras <laughs> syncs them. Which is just like, <laughs> when you're reading official documentation, it's yeah. like, shake, shake the camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So how 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 intensive do the computers like? Can you open a side business of making popcorn like for the heat that this stuff generates? <laughs> no, it's, it's not that bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. We're um Again. using like a stack of business computers yeah. for the the main drive behind it, and then you've got one computer with, you know, more decent specs, that runs the, puts all the data together essentially. So, so that's your, in Russian capture it's called solving, because mm -hmm. when you're taking multiple s sources. The cameras don't really know where they are in space, but all the points will line up if you can get them to line up. So you filter them and then solve them. 
Right. Um, and that does take some, like, a decent amount of computer power, so... Yeah. Are you guys on the hunt for more computers? Not at the moment. Not at the moment. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, listeners, don't send any. Please stop sending computers in. We have enough. <laughs> but uh, where can people follow what you guys are doing? Where? So, uh, TNE, TNE Productions, Productions on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the company through which we'll do Terragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, personally, uh, Darcy Holmes is my web address, darcyholm.es. It's my website, personal website, and... Uh, A-I-O-S-V-X on Instagram. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, awesome. thanks for coming in, guys. Thank you for thanks having for us. Talking. Ah, we'll have you on again soon when the game's released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're sure the best with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Looking forward to the next convention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, it. That's it. All right, guys. Cool. See ya.